on the day of my judgment, when I stand before God, and he asks me, why did I, did I kill one of his true miracles? What am I going to say? That it was my job. It was my job. You tell God the Father, it was a kindness you done. I know you heard that word. I can feel it on you. But you ought to quit on it now. I want it to be over and done with. I do. I'm tired, boss. I'm tired of being on the road, lonely as a sparrow in the rain. I'm tired of never having me a buddy to be with, to tell me where we's going to, coming from, or why. Mostly, I'm tired of people being ugly to each other. I'm tired of all the pain I feel and hear in the world every day. There's too much of it. It's like pieces of glass in my head all the time. Can you understand? Yes, John, Nick, I can. Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome to Rotten Potatoes Podcast, or you can call it RP Pod if that's what you prefer. Or Rotten P. Or Rotten P. Rotten uh, P. Where four friends review movies that you absolutely should have seen already. My name is Scott, and I am here with three people that some would say are my friends. (laughs) Would you say it, though? On occasion. Well, I'm Today is one of those days, though. Yes, these are one of the occasional friends. Uh, I'm Tyler. Uh, I, I'm just now learning that I'm an occasional friend as well. And I'm Zach. Zach's a permanent friend. Oh, well, that's fair. Right. I mean... We FaceTime every night. That makes a lot of sense. I just want to say, before we get too into this, what a stark contrast between the emotional scene we were just listening to and then the... Before I brought up the music, I was thinking that exact same thing. I'm like, this is the worst music to follow up that really traumatic, dramatic scene. But it was good. Well, uh, today we're uh, reviewing The Green Mile, which yes. was nominated by Scott. Yeah, one, so. of, one of my favorites. A uh, little bit of just the facts about uh, this movie. It was uh, directed by, uh, directed and written by Frank Darabont, uh, who's done quite a few, uh, quite a few Stephen King adaptations. Uh, and this is one of them. And this <laughs> is one of them. But this is a Stephen King a- adaptation. You know, I didn't realize that until years later, like maybe five years ago. I, I learned that The Green Mile was a Stephen King it's, uh, story. According to Stephen King, the most faithful adaptation of any of his works that he's seen. I guess at that time, maybe he liked it, but I don't think he did. Yeah, uh, I I think I agree. Like, this is one of my favorite Stephen King storied movies mm-hmm. um it's definitely up there with shawshank it's definitely up there with stand by me so it's up there i think i still like both of those better than this but i did like this a lot uh well it was released uh december 6 1999 uh and uh it did 136 million dollars uh grossed in the box office domestically uh on a budget of 60 million so and that's the the highest grossing stephen king right 
uh, I would imagine it did quite a up bit up to more. that point. Up, up to, to that, that point, point, yes. Up to that point, yeah. yeah. Up to that point, yes. Um, yeah, that's correct. Uh, it surpassed it by quite a bit. <coughs> um, the most recent, it mm-hmm. not the not the one done in the in the eighties, I think. Uh, that was terrible. Have you guys ever seen that? I haven't no. watched either one of them. I don't do scary movies, although apparently yeah. Jaws is a scary movie. Yeah. But I, well, d- I consider Jaws a thriller, not a... Uh, yeah. That's what I've learned. Uh, like when, you, when a horror movie is also a good movie, they call it a thriller. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Um, Who did you hear that guy? from? That's just what I've noticed. And I, I heard somebody say it on a podcast once, and I was like, you know what? I like that. <laughs> but there are no other podcasts besides this one. So I would I, I would disagree back. with that statement. All right. Well, why would you disagree? Because I think that uh, the genre of horror and thriller can be very different, and I think that you can make really good, like, well-made horror movies. Like, that seems kind of mean to the horror genre it's a to say little pigeon what's, it, what's it, one <laughs> off the top of your head that's a really good horror movie that's not a thriller? It. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you would classify as Jaws. We'll throw Jaws out the window. Um, The Thing. I thought The Thing was a really great, well-made movie that was a horror movie. I thought the, not It Part 2, but the 2017 Part 1 of it was a really well-made horror movie as well. I really enjoyed that one. That's what, like, that was one of those movies that I heard people call, oh, it's a thriller, it's not a horror. Okay, so then, like... Maybe people are just misclassifying. Uh, I would say people are misclassifying, although I would say that... I have nothing to say on the topic because I don't watch horror films. <laughs> I Rob, would say that... Go ahead, Seth. I was going to say, uh, I I may be mispronouncing his name, Robert Eggers. Um, has made a couple uh, recent horror movies distributed by A24. Any of the A24 horror movies are going to be like very well made. And yeah. definitely, horror. you cannot classify those movies as thrillers. Um, the Witch... It was mm-hmm. very well made, and I'll never watch that again. I didn't even uh, watch Hereditary myself because I don't think that I'd be able to handle it, but I've heard that that's extremely well made, and it's definitely a horror movie. I would say Mother is another another one of those. I haven't seen it, but I think a lot of people would say The Exorcist is an excellent movie as well. And yeah. Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, but... Uh, back to uh, back to Green Mile, uh, the, Green the Mile, famous horror, the the <laughs> the famous horror film, The Green Mile. Uh, the other guys gave this a seventy eight percent, which I thought I I thought Seems was low. low. I think that we will uh, I think that we will rate it higher. That's oh. my prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, IMDb though gave it an eight point six, which is pretty that's high. A very solid. Yeah, IMDb that's score. one of the higher IMDb scores we've seen. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm very sad to report that this was nominated for Best Picture, uh, Best Supporting Actor, Best Screenplay, and Best Sound Design. Who was uh, the sound mixing nomination for Supporting Actor? Uh, um, the big guy. Gosh, what I'm blanking on his Michael name. Clark. Michael Clark. Yes, Duncan. Duncan. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this, and he lost to Michael Caine in Cider House Rules. Not seen it. Oh, Cider yeah, House Rules is really great. Uh. And that is like a tough one for me. Like I think that Michael Caine probably deserved it in Cider House. Um, also, this was nominated for best screenplay, and it lost to Cider House Rules. It's interesting. So we, it, it was also nominated for best sound. I don't know why. Um, so it, this is like sound mixing and like sound design, okay. and I mean. Honestly, like this does a really good job with uh, the 
the difficulties of not only being set in the past and having to have Foley that is like authentic to like old doors opening and closing and, and you know, the cells opening and closing and having it sound authentic to that time period, but also just the, like some of the like really tough, like how do you, how do you do sound for an, an electrocution? I think they probably just threw some people on there and electrocuted them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's in the behind the scenes. Yeah. But uh, but this was nominated for Best Sound Mixing, which I think it probably should have won over uh, The Matrix, which is what it lost to. Uh, I do love The Matrix, though. I like The Matrix. But I wouldn't say that The Matrix is... Known for its sound. Known for its sound mixing. Like, yeah. I, and, and That's some the of first our thing o- I think of. Some of our audio files. <laughs> I want to be honest. I don't know any movie for sound mixing. <laughs> some of our audio files out there may uh, may correct me. Kelly, I know, listens to the show, and and he's uh, he's an audio engineer, and he may tell me, "Hey, The Matrix, known for its sound design and uh, and mixing," and and I might be wrong. It's possible. But uh, but I'm sad to say that this was nominated for four Academy Awards and got none of them because mm-hmm. I really think it deserved. I, I think that it deserved Best Supporting Actor. I think that I might have given Best uh, Actor to Tom Hanks. What were the other? Like, I don't know who else was in that category. Uh, for Best Actor yeah. in 2000, uh, we'll edit out this gap that yeah. we're about to have to have. Uh, 72nd Academy Awards. You're taking off the... Uh... This is the meat of the podcast. Seventy second Academy Awards, so yeah, so also nominated uh, that year. The the people not also nominated. Tom Hanks was not nominated for Best Actor that year, but uh, Best Actor nominations were Russell Crowe for The Insider, uh, Richard Farnsworth for The Street Story, Sean Penn for Sweet and Lowdown, Denzel Washington for The Hurricane, and Kevin Spacey for American Beauty. And Kevin Spacey won that year Best Actor. I've seen none of those movies. Yeah. Well. So you just got five to throw up there if you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Kevin Spacey's off limits now, though. Since Michael Clark Duncan was in Best Supporting Actor, I'll give a little shout out to those people. So also nominated that year was Tom Cruise for uh, his role in Magnolia, Jude Law in The Talented Mr. Ripley, Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense, and Michael Caine in Cider House Rules. And honestly, that was a tough, that was a tough. That's a good, yeah, good slew of actors. Good slew of actors, and not it's crazy only, that a child actor got. Well, he was really good. I mean, yeah. That yeah. well, because are you saying kids can act well? Yeah, especially if it's a thriller and not a horror film. Here, here's the thing. Exactly. Uh, not only are these all great actors, these were all great roles for those actors. Like, mm-hmm. I would have a hard time. Uh, I'd have I'd have a hard time awarding that between that the those roles. Who won? Uh, uh, Michael Caine did for Cider House Rules. Oh, you were listening th- earlier, Zach. I'm I missed that one. That's the one movie out of all of those that I haven't seen. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen Cider House either. I have not either. Or I've never even heard of Magnolia. Uh, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which uh, we're gonna do one of his movies next week. Uh, there will be blood. Um, so Paul Thomas Anderson is a fantastic director that I told Scott because I love you. You probably don't ever want to watch another Paul Thomas Anderson movie ever mm. again. Well, that's too bad because uh, he did Gangs of New York, right? He did do Gangs of New York. Well, 
no, 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 no. He didn't. Martin Scorsese. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Martin Scorsese. It was that Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis was in both those movies. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson did Magnolia. He did uh, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, he did um, uh, The Master. Uh, most recent or very recently, and then most recently he did with Daniel Day Lewis, uh, The Phantom Thread. Didn't see that. I haven't either. I really want to though. But we're getting way off topic for Green Mile. <laughs> uh, this is sorry, what we're here for. I went down a, a uh, yeah. I went down a, a, a an Academy Award. Uh, rabbit hole rabbit hole but uh scott nominated this movie so yep. why don't you uh let us know why and what some of your thoughts are about it It was something that whenever it was on on a saturday morning <laughs> he just had to stop and watch it that's not true that is true that's true that is true um yeah i i for sure i've seen this movie quite a few times uh i would guess somewhere in the 20-ish range um and uh it's three hours so that's over 60 hours of the green mile that i've seen um but I, I do. I love this movie. I love Tom Hanks. I don't know if there's a single Tom Hanks movie that I don't like. Yeah. Um, and I think Michael Clark Duncan did a great job in this uh, movie as well. Um, and, yeah, it's just a solid story. Uh, you have Tom Hanks, you know, just struggling to know what to do, where he's caught in the middle of doing his duty and doing what he knows to be right. And um, all the while, just, like, he has that internal struggle, and you just see the conflict between multiple uh bad guys in this movie and yeah it's just it's a movie of struggle and at multiple times there's warmth and multiple times there's like oh my gosh i can't believe that happened and yeah it's just a very solid movie well zach you had seen this movie before i have yeah um when uh, when was the last time you had seen it oh uh, it's been a long time um maybe like did you i'm sorry did you also watch it on saturdays in your underwear with your dad whenever it was on tv <laughs> No, Saturday mornings was never a time I watched movies. Um, mm. We would watch movies like at night, like Saturday you nights. Did you just watch The Rifleman? Because that's what I did. Sat on nights is when we would watch new movies, but Saturday mornings was exclusively reruns on TV. That's gotcha. that's too much movie for me in one day. Um, <laughs> I no. I thought you were the film buff here, Zach. What? So I thought you were the film buff here. Too much movie in one day. Yeah, I mean, I want to hear. I, I I'm not rewatching these movies into the 20s and 30s times. Um, <laughs> it's it's quality over quantity, but uh, not not to demean this movie at all. Um, but it's probably been like eight years or so since I've seen this movie. Um, the first time I watched it, I loved it. Um, I thought this was it was a great film. Um, I definitely preferred it to Shawshank Redemption. Um, I think it's fair. We've made that comparison in the past episode, and I had a friend call me out for that and say that you can't compare the two. I think you can. They're both Stephen King, both directed by both this guy. Both prison movies? Both prison movies. Uh, I think there's a lot of comparisons. Um, but this time around, it, it, I'm, if I'm being honest, it fell a little flat for me. Um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. Uh, I thought that there was a lot good about it but nothing that I found, like, remarkable about it. Mm. Nothing that, like, really wowed me. Um, maybe if I had to pick the story, I do think it's a, it's a solid, really good story. Um, and I thought uh, the guy who played John Coffey did a, a very good job. Um, I don't think it's one of Tom Hanks' strongest roles. Um, mm. uh, and if I'm being completely honest, I might just be a little burnt out on all the 90s dramas that we've been doing. 
because we've been doing <laughs> a lot of them. Um, Are there any co- other kinds of movie? <laughs> I'll move on from that comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I we've been yeah we've just been doing a lot of '90s dramas and they all kind of have a similar feel to me. And so I think that if I had maybe like if we kind of laid off that and I watched this again in two years, I might feel a lot more excited to watch it and I might be a little bit more engaged. So I'm going to rate it higher than um, I initially wanted to rate it after I watched it again this time, because the first time I watched it, I did think it was excellent. I loved it so much. Um, Look at Zach not deciding his rating as you're being asked. <laughs> I always choose mine right afterwards. I, I don't think about it until Tyler asks me for it. <laughs> yeah, I literally think of it after the, we talk about it on the podcast. Interesting. <laughs> That's how I digest it, you know? I, I, d- I do it right afterwards because it's the freshest in my mind. I roughly prepare ahead of time, like after the movie's over. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm like, eh, this is about this. and But I don't, I don't really plan my... Uh, There's been a couple of these episodes where I was finishing the movie before, like right as we were getting ready to start... Uh, recording yeah i know <laughs> i think i'm also yeah, you. i think i'm also just not a huge frank Darrenbond fan i don't know how to say his name i never like loved the shawshank redemption i liked it didn't love it not a walking dead fan um yeah it's it's good but i don't know if i would say like it's amazing well uh i have also seen this movie before but probably not in 20 years like i saw this uh not long after it came out uh in theaters um i didn't see it in theaters but um like right when it came to home video um back in back in those days did remember movie theaters (laughs) barely um but uh, I I really liked it when I saw it for the first time. Um, but uh, I like I said I haven't seen it since, and so I had really forgotten much of this movie uh, until going in to rewatch it again. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I thought that Michael Clark Duncan is just tremendous. I love the story, um, and one of the things that I really like about uh, Stephen King's characters that he creates and maybe also like I'll give credit where credit's due to Frank Darabont. Um, But one of the things that I absolutely loved about this movie was just the depth of the characters. Um, You know, you, I could see as I was watching it, I could see other uh, writers, other directors in this type of a setting just having very static, uh, rolled characters where yeah, it's like you have prison up. guards that hate inmates and inmates that hate prison guards, um, but all the guards, for the most part, have a real um, uh, compassion and respect, mutual mm-hmm. respect between. Aside from Percy, uh, yeah. Aside from Percy, but uh, but you know there is some real like mutual respect. There's some real. Um, uh, humanity to these characters that could very easily be treated as inhuman and mm-hmm. some really surprisingly likable prisoners. That yeah. was one of the things that really struck me. I was like, Oh yeah, they don't seem that bad. Yeah. So I, I really like, I really like this movie. Uh, I enjoyed watching it again. Uh, but Jake, you were our resident late bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in this chair again. Yeah. Uh, I, I really liked it. I hadn't, uh, seen it obviously um but yeah like i 
I, Zach was saying he was tired of 90s dramas. I feel like that's something that uh, I don't get tired of. Like, I could just throw on one uh, at any time and probably be pretty happy. Um, I think I still, as far as our Stephen King adaptations are going, I still like Stand By Me better, and I still liked uh, Shawshank, but I did like this movie a lot. Yeah. I'm going to a side note right here. Um, Scott, you're going to, since we don't have, we didn't really do a proper uh, um, research on this, you're going to have to really jump in with some of those facts as they come up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is good podcasting. I think this is getting cut. This is getting cut. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. Can we get like a silence? silence? Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into uh, some of the plot by plot. Uh, Scott, play by play, play by play of the plot. Scott, how uh, or plot by plot? I kind of yeah. like that. So like we take this plot, plot and we do another plot next. <laughs> yeah, to it. it's like when you build homes. <laughs> okay, it's a plot by plot. <laughs> oh man, Scott, you want to start us off here? Yeah. So it kind of opens with uh, just this old man who's in some kind of like a retirement home and uh, we find out um, he takes walks every day and he's very exclusively uh, uh, gets dry toast, cold, dry toast, cold, dry toast is like, he's a very regular guy. Yeah. Um, And he has some kind of a female companion that's also there and just friends though, just friends. Yeah. I don't know. He did um, wink at her. It seemed like and you know some what, any wink means that there's something going on. Yeah, that's sexual tension. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I felt it. I've never winked at anybody and not been like really interested. So you winked at me earlier today. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, at one point, um, all the old people in in the old retirement home are watching TV together. Well, they're watching a movie. What's it? I think it's called Top. Top hat. Yeah, I think and so. And so they, I guess the... Well, first the, they were watching Jerry Springer. You're right. <laughs> they were watching Jerry Springer. And then they were like, really? Can we change the channel? Yeah. And then they went to... And they actually, they bumped uh, the time. So the time frame, I guess, was originally 1932. I guess maybe in the book. Yeah. But they moved it up so they could feature this movie Top Hat, yeah. which came out in 1935. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but we sort of get uh, now... Uh, Paul Edgecombe gets very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know his name yet, oh, but that's uh, right. he, yeah, he starts crying in this movie and um, little tidbit for you. This is an old version of Tom Hanks character who we will at some point have a flashback, but um, they actually thought about having Tom Hanks just get his full get up in uh, old people, uh, Makeup. Makeup. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. <laughs> and uh, But then they decided to just uh, job it out to another actor. So um, they, th- I, I'm they thought about Tom they Hanks. Did. He does good with that kind of stuff, though. I think of like Cloud Atlas, where he's done like movies where he's done multiple roles and stuff. Yeah. I think, true. yeah, I think he could have done that well. But I think actually, also, I'm really they did a good job. I saw there's a couple times where um, the older guy like did some things and it felt like. Tom Hanks, like the way he said certain things or did certain things. And I don't know if it was uh. Tom Hanks acting like him or him acting like Tom Hanks, but I felt some connection there. What That's were you saying, Zach? I'm impressed you've seen Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't and I don't want to. Why? Well, I don't know. It just looked Sounds weird. like I know what I'm going to nominate. <laughs> All right. 
get back at you for uh, <laughs> no, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, make me watch a good Tom Hanks movie <laughs> that I just don't want to watch. Um, so, yeah, they're watching uh, whatever the name of that movie was, Top Hat, did you say? Yeah. Top and, Gun. Uh, it, it, yeah, Top they're Gun. They're watching Top Gun. <laughs> and, uh, I've also never seen that. There's a song that comes on that uh, brings him into an old memory of when he used to work as a prison guard, and so he starts crying, walks out, and his... Uh, girl that's a friend uh, what's her name like eloise or something i think it's eloise yeah uh follows him out and they uh start talking and it's raining outside and he starts telling her this story and so the whole m- movie is a retelling of his past and so um it flashes back to 1935 and he uh he sets it up like that was the year i had a huge 1939 right I thought it uh, thirty five something. That movie they said came out in thirty five. But I I'm thought not you sure just what. said he I said thirty five. No, no, I meant to say thirty five. If I didn't, but I, um, I just misheard. And uh, so he talks about how he had a huge like urinary tract infection that year. We open up on one of the major themes of the movie: urinating. <laughs> <laughs> and also is the year of John Coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mostly the urinating. So this is this is now really where we get into the the bulk of the movie. That's really just the first like that two was the minutes. first two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of went like line by line on that one. Yeah, you did. This is That's a okay. three hour movie, so we can't keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, we continue doing that. Just yeah. do line. Let's just read the script. <laughs> I'll, I'll play. I'll play Tom Hanks. I'll play Percy. Perfect. I want to. I want to be coffee, and I also want to be uh, Zach. You're gonna play every other character. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could just figure that out real quick, we'll get on, on with it. it. And action. So uh, John, it really opens up. John Coffee is is brought onto the Green Mile. And the Green Mile is the it's death row. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they used to call it the last mile, but he says, you know, but our floor is green. Yeah. And so we call it the Green Mile. The Green Mile. Pretty clever prison guards. and uh so we uh we have this this character who's introduced and and uh uh coffee is enormous like he's a big guy he's very big uh and then um he's being brought in by percy who is just the worst and he's yelling dead man walking the whole time Uh yeah and it just sets up how awful this percy character is like you don't like him from the very beginning yeah but to get talk about uh uh, Michael Clark Duncan's like size like he actually is a really big guy he's six foot four um, but the other actors around him were six foot three and six foot five and so he just looked average height so they actually had him up on uh, boxes and stuff in every scene you never see him standing there's never like a full body shot of yeah. him next to someone in the whole movie in uh, in the movie industry they call it uh, apple boxing mm. uh, and uh, they do it a lot like most of Tom Cruise's movies, he's on an he's on an Apple box. Is Tom Cruise short? Yeah. He's very short. He's like five four. Really? He's not quite that short. But he's like five foot six. Okay. I took I did a lot of takes back and forth between Scott and Tyler on either side of me. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I can't believe it. A lot of shot take shock takes. Uh that's that's they did a great job though in this movie of mm-hmm. really genuinely making him look he looks enormous. Well, and yeah. his upper body is pretty wide, so you would believe that he would be that big. Like proportionally, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. and and he put on some weight for this. Yeah, I mean, actually, a lot of them did for this, just because it was in the '30s and people weren't really yoked and ripped in the '30s, and so. Well, they weren't cut. Yeah, and so they uh, like even Tom Hanks put on quite a few pounds to get a little bit of a gut for this movie, and he and Bonnie Hunt put on fifteen pounds. Oh, really? Yeah. 
and Michael Clark Duncan put on quite a bit of weight just so his muscles weren't as um, noticeable. Like, he just looked more like a big guy that was very strong versus someone who works out all the time. Yeah. Uh, but he gets brought in, and, and there's a lot of, like, sort of, uh, like, mystery surrounding him uh, because he's being brought in because he, uh, allegedly, he was convicted of raping and killing two girls. Mm-hmm. But all of, all of... Uh, Paul, played by Tom Hanks, all of Paul's interactions with coffee, he's just a very sweet and gentle man. And yeah, that starts right away. Like, he uh, he asks, like, if if they can keep the lights on because he's, he's afraid, afraid of, of the, the dark. dark. Yeah, and then well, goes for a handshake. He shakes his hand. and Even in the, the flashback, they show to him, because, like, it's kind of an open and shut case because they show him in a flashback holding the girls dead yeah. and bloody. But he's just weeping, and he's like, "I tried to take it back, I couldn't." Yeah, and nobody and they just assume they're talking about his means. own actions. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and and I mean, just a a large African American man in the South in the 1930s with two white girls, like yep. it's that's an open and shut yep. case anyway. It's like, for sure going to be a death row. Yeah, uh, and so uh, the the we get a little bit of an introduction at this point to uh, we've gotten Percy, we've gotten coffee, we've gotten Tom Hanks and some of the other guards, but we get a little bit of an introduction into one other inmate in particular. Uh, and I have no idea how to say his name. It's just Dell, I think. They're but the French guy. Delacroix. Yeah. Delacroix, uh, Delacroix, Delacroix, or Del- he's, he's a very ridiculous case. Mr. Delacroix name. is what they called him. Delacroix. Yeah. They just uh, call him Del usually, right? Yeah. Do Del. you think that the LaCroix sparkling water brand is named after him? I do think mm-hmm. that. It's it's uh it's LaCroix, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I uh LaCrox. Just shout out to them if they want to give us some ad money. <laughs> <laughs> uh but pretty early uh we have uh we get introduced to another little character, and that is uh Mr. Jingles. Mr. Jingles. Yeah. And they used somewhere between, and this is weird that they don't have like an exact number in my looking this up, but they used somewhere between 15 and 30 different mice for I mean, yeah. Mr. Jingles. It's because they lost and killed several along the way. <laughs> Probably like, they ah, couldn't say no animals were harmed in the making of this film. <laughs> <laughs> they also used a laser pointer sometimes. Most of the time, actually, when they were looking at a mouse on the ground, it was just a laser oh, that's dot on the ground. I thought it that's was interesting. interesting. Maybe it is like that uncommon for a mouse to get into that kind of building, but it's it just seemed like every single person in that building was so much more... Ab- astounded and just impressed that a mouse found its way into this building and like, you know, focused I, on uh, it so way too much. I had that thought too, but then I remembered how I reacted when I found a mouse in my apartment and I was freaking out. But that's, like, how did a mouse that's your living space. Like this is just this dank prison building. That's true. Like, I think I would just be like, Oh, there's a mouse. Let's set a trap. Especially Percy is so hellbent on killing this mouse. Yeah. I found not because it's a mouse though, but because he hates people and he just wants to piss off uh, well, Del. Well, he tries to kill the mouse even before, right out. Yeah, even before. That's as what, soon as he sees the mouse, like the other just, guards are trying to feed it, and Percy like throws his baton at it, mm. and then is trying to stamp on it, and it runs back into the runs back into the. I, th- the I think isolation. Th- cell. That's one of the issues I had watching this movie this time around. Is the villains just seem a little too over the top and like too hateable. 
And I think this is an example of like Percy just it, he, they so much want us as the audience to hate Percy that he, even a mouse triggers him so much that he just completely neglects the rest of his job uh, duties to kill this mouse. Mm-hmm. Well, he's Percy's just a, a sadist, you know, in every sense. Also, Percy is neglecting the rest of his job duties for any reason. That, yeah, that's a good point. At any time, because he's really well connected and he knows nobody can do anything to him. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I just want to point out, uh, Percy was played by Doug Doug Hutchison, which is only going to be super meaningful uh, to our Lost fans out there, uh, because he was also uh, uh, the leader of the Dharma Initiative on the island and Lost. I completely yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was... Uh, I always forget his Lost name. It was... Uh, not Howard. It was Hurley. No, <laughs> Jack. <laughs> Mister Locke. <laughs> S- Sawyer. No, it was. Uh, I can look it up. Gosh, Horace. That's right. Horace, Horace. Goodspeed. Yes. Yeah. What a name! I knew it was an H. Horace. Yeah, he was Horace on it's Lost. An Egyptian god. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I just thought I just wanted to take a little step out to point that out that. Because as soon as I saw Percy, because, again, I hadn't seen this movie in 20 years, I was like, I looked over at Scott, and I was like, what do I know him from? And and then it clicked right away. I was like, oh, he's lost. Uh, but, yeah, it was just the way his mouth moved. I made mm-hmm. it, like, easy to, like, the way he speaks, the way his mouth moves when he speaks, that was how I identified him. Because he looks nothing like his character in Lost mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, but... Uh, Mr. Jingles, the the mouse ends up uh, ends up bonding with Dell, and Dell teaches him some tricks, and and he becomes uh, Dell's you know real true friend in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Percy steps on him. Well, that's way that's later. Way later. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like I'm an hour to make and it not be like this is a three hour movie. So you're trying to cut an hour and a half out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's a plot point. <laughs> so. Uh, Right after uh, we we find Dell, uh, you know, bonding with uh, <laughs> with Mister Jingles, uh, we get introduced to a new. Uh, or I'm sorry, right before this, we have our first execution. Uh, the chief yeah. is executed, uh, and it's it's pretty intense. Uh, and Percy is just dying to be. He wants to be the one to do it. He wants to be the one to do it. When they were uh, practicing the execution. I thought Percy was going to throw the switch on that guy. Like, that's what I, I was. I did too. I was so nervous. I was so tense the whole time. I was like, he's going to just kill this dude. Kill <laughs> this janitor. <laughs> <laughs> it was what I was thinking. At I, least we wouldn't have had to deal with Percy for the rest of the movie. Yeah. That would have been the case. That's true. He would have been. I breathed the sigh of relief, though, when like the janitor got up. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Percy didn't kill him. Uh, yeah, Percy was, uh, he was, he wanted to, I mean, Tom Hanks, calls it out uh the you know paul calls it out and says he just wants to get up close and personal and watch someone fry and uh he's just a he's a sick puppy percy Mm -hmm. um but uh we uh we have this this execution that happens and and then we get introduced to a new character on death row wild bill played by sam rockwell who is one of my all-time favorites yeah yeah i had he's solid yeah, I, I knew he was in this movie, so I was super excited. And I've never hated him in a movie before, but I hated him. Oh yeah. He Immediately. was very believable as a as a, a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, he's just very erratic. He's very. Uh, well, it's funny is I've seen this movie before. I've seen most of his other things. And so, like, it was, I was trying to, in his other roles, like, okay, no, he's playing a good person. Oh, because like, you saw this before. Yeah, I was trying to get Wild Bill out of my mind. Oh, that's so, so I actually wasn't a huge Sam Rockwell fan until, like, I got just used to him playing some other roles besides that type of thing. I completely forgot that he was even in this movie. Um, when we first see him, I thought that was actually uh, Tim Nelson Blake. Um, oh. Who's in a lot yeah. of Coen Brothers movies, that guy. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, "Wait, that's Sam Rockwell." <laughs> he did a good job. Again, I thought his character was a little over the top, um, but he did a good job with what he was given. Uh, so I uh, I'm blinking a little bit. So after uh, after Wild Bill comes in and he causes a little bit of a scene, I might mm-hmm. be skipping ahead a little bit, but well, he causes quite the scene. He attacks. Oh, Several guards. that's, that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and, uh, that's why I was skipping. And Percy has a gun on him, and then they're like, shoot him, shoot him. No, 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 no. Uh, Percy doesn't have a Paul gun on him. Paul has a gun He's on just, him. Paul oh, has yeah, they're like, they're like, hit him, hit him. Yeah. Because he was choking out the other guy. Yeah. Uh, the other guard. I forgot yeah. who it was. Yeah. And uh, Percy just freezes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was a big moment. Uh, well, it was the first time it seems like Percy felt afraid from the inmates. Yeah. And then Brutal comes in, uh, which is, by the way, the worst nickname such for an a prison guard. <laughs> he was he was such a he seemed like such a sweet man actually. Like, yeah, I don't like I, his name was Brutus. Oh, okay, his so name was Brutus, Brutus, so that's why they call him Brutal. Um, which I mean, if I had a friend named Brutus, I would probably call him something like Brute or Brutal or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, very sweet man. But Brutus. Uh, comes in, grabs the the nightstick from Percy, and takes down Wild Bill. And um, then Wild Bill had also hit uh, Paul Edgecombe in the bladder somewhere because he had that bad bladder. Yeah, infection. you need mm-hmm. him, need him, and, and he was just down yeah. for the count. And so he Paul puts on a good show and sends all the guards away, and then collapses because he's in so much pain. And then uh, Coffee had been calling him over. He's like, "Boss, I need I need you to come over here right now." And then he wouldn't do it. So then he finally goes over to him. And that's when we get introduced to Coffee's special ability. abilities. He yeah. Yeah. gives him a and nice little cup. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that was grabs him right in the nutsack. I was super <laughs> uncomfortable with that. <laughs> it's so funny. There's, I mentioned there's a lot of the begin- nut grabbing in this movie. And a lot of a lot of urinating. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wait, is there more nut grabbing than just this scene? Yeah, while Bill While Bill grabs Percy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. And then Percy pees himself. That's yeah. right. In that same scene. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I had mentioned at the top of this episode that I had forgotten most of uh, the Green Mile. The only two things, like, if you would have put a gun to my head and told me, you, like, tell me about the Green Mile, the only two things I would have remembered is uh, a big black guy grabs Tom Hanks's nuts, and then he goes and heals a woman with brain cancer. Those were the only two <laughs> things I remembered about the movie. <laughs> Spoilers, geez. Yeah, let's, let's wait till we get there. <laughs> but yeah, that that scene is a it's a it's a very uh, gripping scene. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Something was gripped. Uh, but coffee uh, is able to take back. That's a, that's the word he keeps using. Take it back to take away the the infection, and then he spits it out of his mouth and As just like gnats or yeah. flies or yeah. something. 
like pestilence is it's like a image for like you know uh, like there's a old like tradition or old le- not tradition but legend of sin eaters uh and they're people who like it's an like old like medieval legend of people who could uh, absolve you of your sin by eating your sin. Mm. And that's like sort of what's being portrayed here is it's sort of like it's it's a Stephen King's own version of of sin eaters is it's like a, it, it's like pestilence or illness eater. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's how he's able to to do this. But yeah. And then so Paul is healed of his bladder infection and he, he goes to pee again. And I was watching this. Uh, I was watching this with my girlfriend, and she needs to have the subtitles on always. <laughs> and so the subtitles just said "urinating fully and freely" or "fully and forcefully," <laughs> and that just killed me. That's pretty great. Fully and forcefully. See, there's humor you only get with subtitles, you know. Yeah, I've, I've because of that, I've learned to enjoy having the subtitles on, just because the way they uh, they subtitle um, just like actions or things that are going on. Uh-huh. I think it's really funny. Well, uh, we uh, we jumped over something real quick, but it's not really a big thing. I just thought it was interesting. Um, the guard uh, that was being choked out by Wild Bill uh, is played by Barry Pepper, who also is in Saving Private Ryan with Tom, with Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah, I like yeah. him. He's the sniper yep. in Saving Private Ryan. He's a few things Ryan. that I've seen that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like him. He's in True Grit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really like him too. Uh, I like him a lot. And so I'd forgotten completely that he was in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so seeing him again, I was like, oh man, like just a, a couple of years later, uh, Tom Hanks was in Saving Private Ryan with him. Mm-hmm. And he's my favorite character in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. He's also my favorite character. And that's one of my favorite Tom Hanks roles too. Oh, me Same too. here. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, Tom Hanks role in which Tom Hanks is flashing back. Yeah. Oh, like, actually, no, Matt, Damon Matt Damon's flashing, flashing back. back. Tom Hanks oh, dies. Oh, that's right. Well, spoilers. Spoilers if you haven't seen that before. Let's, uh, let's and we're not going to do an episode on that. Because I think we've all seen we've it. We've all right? seen mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I, uh, let's all forget that I made that rookie mistake. It's all good. Can't, can't <laughs> move past it. Yep. It's my recollection, okay? <laughs> it's what I recall. <laughs> no, you, it's what you recall. It's my recollection. Oh, okay. Scott and Tyler with the juror box over here. <laughs> yeah. uh, juror. Witness box. <laughs> juror box. Jurors don't speak, typically. They're not allowed. Not allowed. Uh, so, uh, coffee heals. Uh, that's the the biggest thing is coffee heals uh, Tom Hanks and and then he goes and uh, urinates fully lo- and forcefully and then makes love to his wife four times in a night. Yeah, I was <laughs> uncomfortable with a lot of those things. <laughs> like, I didn't want that scene, and I also I, I don't know why we needed to see hi- Tom Hanks pee three times. <laughs> like it I mean, you don't see him actually like you see him coming it, out of the pee. You, but you, you, you see him the at the toilet like. And it's just like it could have been any other thing that was wrong with him, but it had to be something that where he had to be peeing. It, honestly, was, it, it seems like such a Stephen King thing to make it a. Because Stephen King's a little bit of a creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> uh, so uh, after this, now uh, Paul is convinced that Coffee could have never done what he was accused of, and so he goes on a little bit of a road trip uh, to. Uh, well, doesn't. In this time, or is this later, where he kind of like transfers some of like the info of Wild Bill? No, that's later. That's later. Yeah. Um, so he, Paul decides, like, I don't think he did it, and so he goes on a road trip to, to meet, meet with Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise, who I was like, shocked. Such a small part in this movie. Yeah, 
But it's like everyone always talks about the seven degrees of separation with uh, Kevin Bacon, but it should be Gary Sinise. Yeah, I was so surprised. <laughs> I was like, is that Gary Sinise? <laughs> yeah, me too. And then he was just gone for the rest of the movie. You know what's <laughs> funny is I don't, I never knew his name before you guys just said it, but I know he's in a thousand movies. You never knew Gary Sinise's nope. name? No, nope. if you would have said it, oh yeah, Gary Sinise is in that, I'd have been like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't remember that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so he goes and meets with, uh, with this was Coffee's defense attorney, and Coffee's defense attorney even felt like this was an, an open shut case. Like he had a lot of prejudice against Coffee. He had uh, an example of a. Uh, He's, he said that he had this dog that was really sweet and he thought it was great and then attacked his son. A for mongrel no, dog. Yeah, for no reason, attacked his son. And he's like, that's what he is. Like, he's sweet, but he attacked for some reason. Well, it, like, to be even more on the nose, he says that that's how N, that he uses the N word. He says that that's how black people are. Yeah. Like, so he was a very, like, it just gives you a, a little bit more insight into how... People were in the 1930s in the South. Yeah. And, well, in Alabama. Louisiana. The, the armpit of Alabama. the country. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you listen to our podcast and you're from that area, we do appreciate your support. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, so he now really, after this meeting, especially Paul, really is, is beginning to believe that coffee's an innocent man. And uh, so he, he goes back and they, they continue to go on uh, about their uh, about their their lives. And I'm going to jump ahead maybe a little bit. Um, just like know that, oh, well, I, I guess I won't jump past this. Uh, while Bill is continuing his antics and at one point grabs Percy through the gate. Like he, he pees on someone. He oh, he does. He does so the, much peeing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he does the the moon pie uh, spit under brutal. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, you guys follow the moon pie Twitter. I love. Yeah, moon they've pie actually, Twitter. They've been they've had some killer ones in the COVID times. Yeah, just follow that if you're looking for it. Moon but pie Twitter. What's I forgot the, they were such an old company. Oh yeah, they're very old. Uh, and then uh, it sort of like comes to a big point where he actually grabs Percy and through the bars and is pulling him up against the bars and whispering in his ear and being creepy and grabbing his junk and Percy pees himself. And Percy tells the other guards, if you tell anyone about this, I'll have you all fired. And uh, an important kind of line on this is uh, Brutal says, hey, what happens on the mile stays on the mile. Like, we don't talk. And... Uh, so Percy uh, is, uh, you know, scared, but Dell is laughing at him. Mm-hmm. He loves it. It's he one of the best things that's ever happened to him. It's yeah. payback for him. Because Percy broke Dell's fingers earlier in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For no reason. And and is just generally, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's a terrible Bad person. person. Yeah. <laughs> He's a terrible person. And... Uh, and so Dell's laughing hysterically at this, and, and that really cuts Percy's pride. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Percy makes a deal uh, leading up to, to Dell's execution, makes a deal with, uh, with Paul that if you let me be up front for one execution, I'll leave. I'll quit. I'll, I'll go to a new a mental I'll hospital. I'll get transferred, yeah. Yeah, he wanted to see people fry, but also this was for Dell's execution. He was coming up next, so like he was 
Yeah. Probably. Probably. Have. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we we have some really like tender moments between uh, Dell and Brutal and Paul, uh, you know, surrounding Mr. Jingles. Like what's going to become of Mr. Jingles? It's going to go to Mouseville. Mouseville. In, down in Florida. Down in Florida. Where the beaches are open. Around Tallahassee. <laughs> Which is also where Jaws took place. <laughs> right in Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah, Tallahassee, New Mexico. Where uh, where people spend a dime just to come see Mr. Jangles. And uh, kids pay two cents. Uh, but uh, Mr. Jangles, you know, kind of gets away and runs. And uh, Percy finally has his opportunity and strikes steps on him too yeah that was, was a crunch oh uh, yeah it it really as soon as it was coming up i remembered it was happening and i was watching with my other roommate and uh as soon as mr jingles gets on the floor and starts running i was like oh this is my least favorite part of the movie like it's just so sad i think that was my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> you like that scene less than when they have to kill uh our dear friend sean uh, coffee I mean, they're both up there for me. Yeah. Even though you know the rat comes back and survives. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it was just so cruel. Like, there's dignity in John's death. There's no dignity in Percy killing Mr. Jingles. Yeah, but, but then it's, we get uh, to see it's a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I got no That's what I was kind of going for. But then we do get to see a lot of like the just like again the sweetness and like the just like tenderness of coffee and coffee's like it's not too late give him to me yeah I mm-hmm. love this the, so it's it's one of my least favorite scenes followed by one of my favorite scenes you know what I mean like but anyway and so Percy or sorry coffee coffee grabs the uh, gets the mouse brought to him and he brings it back to life and he he takes it back and like. And this time it's not just Paul to witness it. It's all of the guards yeah. witness what happened. And they're all kind of like dumbfounded. They're like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. And they even rub it into Percy's face. They're like, hey, he survived. And he's yeah, like, Yeah, because Percy leaves for the healing and comes when he walks back in the house, the mouse is alive again. Yeah. And they basically make it make him feel like he's not even strong enough to kill a mouse. Yeah. Which I love. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh now that this is now that not only has uh paul seen this miracle happen twice but now he has the benefit of other people having seen it he gets an idea in his head uh the uh warden uh hal uh the warden of the prison his wife dear sweet woman is dying of a brain tumor and uh paul gets the idea to oh you know what i'm jumping over a big part Execution. Uh, the execution of yeah. Dell. Yeah. Scott, and tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, Percy makes the agreement with Paul that if he lets him have lead on an execution, that he'll leave. And so Paul reluctantly agrees because he just hates Percy that much. They do the execution. And uh, from the scene earlier where they were doing the testing of the execution, you see uh, all the steps of an execution. And we see that Percy purposefully skips a step of the execution, which is wetting the sponge. Yeah. And um, they he counts it down, and they fry him. And because the sponge wasn't wet, he just has lots of electricity shot through his body, but it doesn't kill him right away. And he kind of catches on fire and burns. And it's a long, excruciating, terrifying, screaming. Very gruesome. That's a, like, I, I was shocked at the amount of people that wanted to come to an execution. Like why they were like yeah I was like, too I'm, I'm super down for this 
Well, like, like t- all these people on death row are like there for like murder. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised at how many people wanted to show up to an execution just to like watch somebody die. Well, I think that like back in this time, like there just wasn't a lot to do. But like it's just like Braveheart. It's just like Braveheart. You remember like how many people showed up? It's less now because now there's more things to do, like re- listen to the radio. But there's like not a lot to do. I, uh, I feel like most of these people still were there for like seeing the justice done. But there were a lot of repeats that I noticed. <laughs> yeah, and, like the two executions for the the chief and then for for Delacroix. Just the same people. Delacroix. Yeah, like I just like they were just like yeah. I hope you know you're gonna go to hell. Actually, that was later in the movie, but. Why do they want to see that? It was definitely Delacroix, by the way. Yeah. Edouard Delacroix. I mm-hmm. just remembered Percy saying his name. Mm-hmm. Edouard Delacroix, you have been convicted by a jury of your peers in front of a judge with good standing and sentenced to die for the things that you have done. I like the idea that a lot of those people are there just uh, for lack of other like entertainment options. Like their yeah. kids are just like, Dad, <laughs> we might as well do this. What, what did you guys do for fun back in the 30s? And he's like, well, <laughs> wasn't a lot. Let me tell you. <laughs> I watched minorities get executed. I watched minorities get executed. Wow. That's every single one of them. Yeah. Was a minority. Entertainment just uh, isn't what it used to be. I don't, I don't know if Delacroix was a minority. Kind of. <laughs> because he's Cajun? Yeah, well, they were talking, they were they were like, really, they are like, you don't want, you want to have some voodoo, some priest come? Like, I don't want that. Swinging his dick around? Yeah. What about uh, Wild Bill? Yeah, he's Wild Bill doesn't get executed in this movie. But so. he was on death row. <laughs> Insign- so you're saying those people wouldn't have came to Wild Bill's? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably murdered the most. You would think he had the most victims, or family of victims. So, so John uh, or Paul has seen John, you know, repeat this mir- miracle a couple of times now. And he, he gets this idea in his head to help Hal's wife. And uh, so they concoct a plan. They throw Percy in the, well, they knock well, out Wild Bill. They all take a great, like huge risk. Huge like, risk. They could get locked up for bringing him out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to break him out of prison to take him to the warden's house to yeah. heal the missus. And uh, they could lose their jobs and get prison time. Not only if they get caught, but if the warden is just like, nah, you guys are all fired. Yeah. Because like, they're, they're going to their boss's house. Yeah. they're th- Yeah. So if they're, if they get caught, they're getting caught essentially. No, no matter, matter what, what they're getting caught. <laughs> because like their what? boss is going to know what they did. <laughs> uh, and so it's an enormous risk. Uh, and, but they, they can cock to plan. And so they knock wild bill out. Uh, so that he can't talk, and then they take Percy and throw him in the isolation room in a straitjacket, and they say it's as punishment for what he did to Dell. Mm-hmm. And uh, but really, they're just locking him in a room where he can't see anything. And then they leave. Um, I forget his character's name in the movie, but uh, from Saving Private Ryan, the sniper guy with yeah. Dean in the yeah, movie, his Dean. character. Yeah. They leave him behind, and I think this kind of plays a little bit into it, where they're like, "Well, all of us have kids that are grown. You have young kids. Like, you can't get locked up, so we're gonna leave you behind so you can lie, yeah, and say I didn't know what was going on if yeah. we get caught." And so the the three other guards, uh, Paul, Brutal, and the other guard that I don't even think I ever caught his name. Yeah, he was in Rocket Man. He was in Rocket Man. That's correct. The actor. Um, but Sean Penn. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Is that what you remember? Robert Redford. <laughs> uh, so they uh, they take coffee to the warden's house. And uh, I love this moment when they get in the truck with uh, with him. 
and Brutal says, do you, or I think Paul says, do you know what we're doing? And Coffee says, uh, I think we're going to go help a lady. And Brutal says, how could you know that? And Coffee says, I don't know most things. Uh, like I mm-hmm. like essentially saying like I don't understand my own gift, like I don't know why I have it. I don't know why I can do what I can do, but I I just I just know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they take this sweet gentle giant, and uh, he he not to bury the lead. He he heals the warden's wife in a way that like I just can't believe the warden let this happen. Like he let a convicted felon come up and basically French his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he does not French. I, it's mostly because he <laughs> pretty much he like he, he like opens her. pretty much puts his mouth on her mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he doesn't stick his yeah, tongue. It's, like, in it's not her. a kiss. I mean, I know it's, he's not doing anything weird, but like from the warden's perspective, sure. are you kidding me? <laughs> sure, you let that happen. Yeah, his response um, was a little subdued. I think he's just very. I think. Well, I mean, his response was not subdued when they arrived. I think uh, he's. Like, I think he's just kind of into it. Yeah, I think he has a trust for these people that work for him, yes. these men that work for him, especially Paul. And, and they're specifically like telling him, like, "Hold on, just let us do this." Like, very much, they're urging that multiple times throughout this scene. Right. Yeah, I think it's out of his love and respect for his friend, Paul. and also probably just like a, I have tried everything else. I don't know what else. Desperation. To do. Yeah, just like okay. Yeah, but uh, it, coffee heals her, but instead of expelling this pestilence or whatever. Keeps it they, they don't know what's going on, but it seems like he can't get it up. Like he's coughing and he's hacking, but he, it's not coming out. Yeah. And so uh, they decide, well, maybe he's trying to let himself die that way mm-hmm. uh, to like take on her brain cancer, essentially, and uh, and die that way rather than be electrocuted. And so they get him back to the to the prison and they they let uh, Percy out. And uh, as Percy's walking, coffee grabs him. And shoots all the gnats into his mouth. <laughs> spits that spits that evil right into Percy, and, uh, and Percy walks down, kills Wild Bill, shoots him dead, and then. Well, I guess we kind of missed a big point where um, Coffee gives like some of whatever's in him to Edgecombe. Oh, okay, yeah. So we did miss something. So when when they're first breaking uh, John out. Uh, while Bill wakes up for a moment and grabs Coffee's arm, and mm-hmm. Coffee uh sees what Wild Bill has done, mm-hmm. and through his like empathetic power, and it turns out that what he had done was exactly the crime that Coffee was commit convicted for. Yeah, so yeah. now we know that Coffee is completely innocent, and Wild Bill was the one who actually did it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So, uh, Percy kills, uh, Percy kills, uh, while Bill and, and, uh, Paul walks up to coffee and says, you know, why did you do that? And coffee says, I punished both those bad men. And he says, you know, take my hand boss. I, I want to give you a part of me so that you can see what he did. And, and then Paul has the flashback of seeing, that uh, that while Bill is the one who who killed and raped those two little girls, mm-hmm. and the actor that plays her dead, also in Rocket Man, <laughs> that's true. So that's true. <laughs> um, so not the Elton John movie, the one that came out in the nineties, the comedy <laughs> with uh, uh, the guy that's in Employee of the Month, Mister Bean, Dane Cook. No, Mister Bean's not in that movie. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we'll no get clue. there. <laughs> well, I'll put it on the list. Um. 
So, oh yeah, you're right. It's not Mr. Bean. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, there's going to be so much editing in this episode. That's fine. I, I, easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's super We're leaving easy for this me to in, say. right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> So now we're we're coming up to the climax and and what we uh, listen to in the in the opening of this episode and it's the uh, it's coffee's execution. Well, but actually before that, I guess I don't, I don't know. I just liked this part. I thought it was nice where they're like, they like we got to break you out or something. And coffee's like, no, I want to die. And they're like, it's got to be something we can do for you. And he asks for a meal, and he said, there's got to be something else. And he said. Well, I've never seen a movie before. Uh, and then they show him that movie and it's Top Hat, which, yeah. is, which is the from movie the beginning. from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what triggers his emotions. Yeah. It shows emotions later. Yeah. Uh, and so they. And he gets cornbread. And he gets his, he gets the, the wife's cornbread again. Uh, and uh, they, uh, they, he's deciding though that he, he wants to die. Like he wants it to be over. And uh, so they, they lead him up to the chair and, and uh, I I love this scene. Uh, Dean is is kneeling down and strapping him in, and he's just weeping. And Paul says to Dean, "You wipe your face before you stand up." And he says, "Yes, sir." And he wipes his face and he stands up, but he's still he's still weeping through the whole experience, through the whole process. But even like the the guy that throws the switch, like he seems he's to be in the know because he's crying. Yeah, um, that was a but. Uh, I was gonna say that was a, I really love that scene. Um, I thought it whenever a movie can really challenge me and make me kind of feel conflicting emotions for characters, I, I think that's really cool. And uh, when the twins' dad um, makes his remark, says something like, "You kill him twice, boys. You kill him twice." You yeah. you are kind of like, "Shut up!" Like, you I hate you. But it's like there's nothing wrong with what this like this guy genuinely thinks that that coffee killed his daughters um yeah. it's just such a complex situation and i really enjoyed that scene yeah i did too uh and i loved that paul decided not to hand off being the being the executioner essentially the guy who calls the shots he didn't hand this off to brutal mm -hmm. like brutal had done this is this had been we kind of get like a little bit of exposition early in the movie that this had been sort of Brutal's role um, is to be the guy who calls it. And uh, Paul decides I'm going to do this one myself. And uh, I think he says like older Paul says like that was the last one I ever did. Yeah. Yeah. It was the last execution he ever took part and in. And just to, to uh, break your heart a little bit more. I, I, as I was watching this, I was kind of under the impression that coffee was kind of at a peace with his with with what's going to happen to him. Um, but when they go to put the bag over his head, and he says, "Don't put it over my head. I'm a, I'm scared of the dark." It kind of don't put me in the yeah, dark. Yeah, it kind of made me think like, man, he's still scared. Like the, he is scared in this yeah. in this situation, and uh, just breaks your heart even more. Yeah, and uh, so they they Paul obliges, doesn't put the hood on him, and and before he carries out the sentence, he walks up and shakes his hand. And I love that moment it was just so like this this is one of of all the movies we've done before that scene is one of the most emotional scenes that we've i think covered yet mm -hmm. like, yeah it's a good most, moment 
just a powerful scene of someone going against the norms because of a respect for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And and to, you know, use the the word Scott that that you uh use a lot with movies like the the heart. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much heart in this scene. Um Yeah, I never once when I'm watching this movie think about the acting. Like I'm in it the whole time. Yeah, you're just in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and so uh we sort of flash back back to the present. And Eloise says, there's something that doesn't, that you said. You said that you had a, a grown son in 1935. And he says, yeah, the numbers don't add up, huh? And he says, let me take you somewhere. And they walk it to where he walks every day. And in this little box is Mr. Jingles. And uh, coffee had given an extraordinarily long life to Mr. Jingles and to Paul. Mm-hmm. And so Paul has outlived all of his friends, all of his family. And he says in sort of the last lines of the movie that this is his, this is his curse. He's like, if I, he's like that, that's how his payment He's like, if he could make a mouse live this long, how long am I going to go for? Yeah. So do you, yeah. And so basically his punishment for, for killing coffee, like he felt like he needed to do is just seeing everyone he loves and knows die over and over. Again. Do you guys think that Hal's wife also the same effect to her? No, I don't think so. Uh, so he didn't uh, pass the power to Mr. Jingles when he healed him. He passed the power to Jingles when Delacro- Delacroix was dying and he was empathetically feeling everything and you see electricity zap into the mouse and the mouse runs away. Mm, okay. Um, and, and then the same thing happened when he shook uh, Paul's hand to show him the the vision of wild bill that it was something different than the healing that he was doing in those moments gotcha yeah but uh but that is a green mile and uh man it challenges my uh challenges a lot for me uh you know i mean obviously this movie's set so far in the past but it really makes me think a lot about how we treat other people still today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me think a lot about, you know, uh, racism in America and how that has affected and impacted so many genuinely innocent people. Uh, and it, it's a powerful story, I, I think. Well, uh, favorite lines, favorite parts, anyone? I think my favorite part... Um, was when they were watching that movie. Like it was just such a, like that was his last wish. Like he, like he was thinking I'm going to die. And he was like, I just, I've never seen a movie. I want to see a movie. Mm. I just, I really like that part. It is a very wholesome moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think my favorite line or part from the movie is the, the part we played in the intro mm. of just like, yeah. when I stand before God, like I know I'm going to die and I know that you're innocent. And then I know that you're something special. Like how am I, how am I going to explain gonna this to ever God? stand before God with any kind of right? And I love that coffee says, when you see the father, you tell him it was a kindness. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that, uh, from, uh, the writer. I love that, uh, word choice mm-hmm. from coffee because coffee doesn't seem to be an awfully religious man. Like he doesn't say or intelligent or intelligent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I love that, that mm-hmm. that's how coffee sees God as the father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite part was really any part with coffee. Um, I think he's, he's the standout in this movie. Uh, not all of the c- 
character portrayals in this movie hit home for me, but this one definitely did. And I think my favorite line, um, I, I think it's from the same little monologue that you guys have already mentioned a few times, specif- specifically the line, I'm tired of people being ugly to each other. Um, mm. Just how how much of an effect that really takes on coffee when, when that happens. Uh, because of his purity. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. He's the opposite of that, and so it just takes a huge toll. He, on him. Uh, among great rich characters from Stephen King, Coffee is a great addition to that to that cast. Yeah, I agree, uh, and and I agree with you that really any scene with Coffee is probably my favorite. Um, and uh, I uh, I think that I agree with you, Zach. He's the standout of the movie, and when he after he. Um, after uh, Dell is executed and he says his line that he says multiple times, he says, you know, I'm real tired now, boss. Dog, Dog tired. tired. And he just turns and, and lays down. Uh, I remember thinking at that moment, I'm like, this movie has not enough. Of and this not enough character. coffee. Not enough coffee. Yeah. I, I wish that we could have gotten maybe a little less Percy, a little less Wild Bill a little less even Dell and, and had a little bit more time with coffee. Cause he's such a great character. I was going to say, uh, maybe something to bring a little levity back at the end of this, because I feel like we're ending on a very heavy note that, uh, that when he was laying down in the bed, they made his bed super small. Oh, just to make him look, giant. just to make him look bigger. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, smaller, I guess, than the other beds uh, because yeah. we see those as like frame of reference, and we mm-hmm. assume like subconsciously that they're all the same size beds. Yeah, so his is a lot smaller. His so was he just <laughs> looked giant in the bed. <laughs> I think uh, I think my favorite uh, line uh, and my favorite part are pretty close together. My favorite part of the movie is when they break coffee out, and he's walking barefoot through the woods. And he just stops and picks up dried leaves, fallen leaves, and smells them and smiles. Like, mm-hmm. he has this big, innocent grin, and he holds it out for the guards, and they each take a turn walking up and smelling it. And they're like, it's just leaves. Yeah, but for him... Like, it's, it's like, it's beauty. Yeah, it's beauty. Like, he sees beauty in such a, uh, like a, a powerful and different way. Um, and I think, actually, uh, my, my favorite line... Uh, is right around then. I've already said it, uh, but it's the, what are we going to do? Do you know what we're doing? And and he says, we're going to go help some lady. And I just, it's an innocuous line, but when he said it, like it just really resonated with me that it's like, this guy is very special. Like he's not a faith healer. He's not a, he's something like he's a prophet. Some kind of other power. Yeah. Um, So anyway, that's uh, that's a green mile. It seems sacrilegious for me to even suggest, but uh, it's it's a new segment that we have. Uh, can we do a recast if you were making this movie today? Mm, no. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, like I like I feel like Tom Hanks is someone I would insert into any drama <laughs> as a lead. You know, I I love Tom Hanks just as much as the next guy does. Um, I do think that he has some roles that no one can replicate. And I don't think this is yeah. one of them. Um, yeah. I actually, when I was thinking about this, I, I thought of Domino Gleason. Oh, yeah. I, he could do great. I think that. he could be. I don't know who that is. He, I don't know who that is. He's a we Hux. Know. General Hux. <laughs> As the lead? Yeah, but you probably yeah, should. I'm out. He's also Charlie Weasley. Okay, if you've only seen him, he's. I think he's Percy Weasley. 
If you've only no. seen him as Hux, then yeah, that's a that's a terrible. That's one of his worst roles. But he's really good in a lot of. He's a great actor. Isn't he in one of the? Uh, um, what was that series? Black Mirror. Oh, yeah, Potter. he's on a Black Mirror mm-hmm. one. Yeah. That would be a better, that Black Mirror, if you think about his role in that, would probably be a better, like... I still don't see it. I think he and Tom Hanks are able to kind of have that aspect where they're both gentle, very lovable men, but they're not weak. I mean, Domino does play some weak men in some of his roles, but not always. He plays, he's in The Revenant, too, and he's, he's kind of a badass in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a super badass in that movie. I think he could do it. I I love Domino Gleason. I think he he'd do that well, that role very well. But I can't pick anyone else. I can't pick a, a, a different coffee. Oh gosh, there's no better coffee. No, and like why I think I love Sam Rockwell. I think yeah, I wouldn't have replaced Sam Rockwell. Arnold with Schwarzenegger is John Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can we cut that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would be hard for me to recast this movie. Um, I might recast Percy though. Uh, and I could see this, this doesn't make a lot of sense for like age, I guess, but I could see recasting, uh, Percy with, uh, Ben Mendelsohn. I don't know who that is. He was in uh, uh, the Watchmen, the new HBO series, The Watchmen. I've watched a few of those. Ben Mendelsohn, are you okay. sure? Oh, maybe he was he in The Outsider. Oh, The Outsider. That's he's, what I was uh, I'm he's sorry, in not Watchmen. He was in he's the, the villain in Rogue One. Yeah, he's the villain in Rogue One. Okay, okay. I know who this is. Uh, Place Beyond the Pines. He's a great actor. Uh, I'll also he's a I'll, fantastic. I'll also actor. say, Jake, we were both wrong. Domino Gleason plays Bill Weasley. Oh, yeah, I forgot that they cut Charlie Weasley out of the Harry Potter movies. Yes. And they made Bill and Charlie the same. The same, yeah. That's what, when I looked at you and I was like, ah, that's why I was, I just didn't want to interject. There's another Weasley sibling that I don't know about. There's a lot of Weasley siblings. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I wouldn't change any, I wouldn't recast it. I I think it's perfect. Perfect. I think it could have been uh, maybe a bit better with a different director, just personally. Yeah, I could see that. I would love to see. I would love to see um, Steve McQueen hmm. direct. Interest, that would, that'd be new, interesting. Yeah. Wait. Not, not that Steve. Not okay. the first one. I think he's dead. Uh, Steve McQueen uh, directed 12 Years a Slave. I would be interested in that. I would also be interested in uh, like same story, same actors, but maybe a lighter plot, like lighter things throughout with a Taiki Watiti. Uh, that is a hot I take, my man. Would, I think I would uh, hate that. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love Taika Waititi, but no. Yeah, I think I think he could pull it off. That is a hot take, my man. Uh, all right. Well, that's our that's our recast. Let's uh, let's jump into uh, the the climax of this episode. Our uh, our rating. I've already spun up our our servers, and uh, we're operating at one hundred and twenty percent. Uh, and so I think we're gonna be able to to generate this rating faster than usual. Scott, what uh, what would you give this movie? I'm gonna give it nine point one dead mouse, dead mice, dead mouse, <laughs> dead mouse. I'm gonna leave it at the, dead uh, mouse. The DJ, dead mouse. the artist <laughs> with the, the artist. five, <laughs> yeah. five for the S. Uh, I'm gonna give it like eight point seven five 
pieces of the missus that cornbread that the missus cooks. Mm. Zach, uh, I give this seven point eight urinary tract infections. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, and I'm going to give this uh, 9.1 uh, Percy's. I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything better. Percy Weasley? Uh, yeah. So that. <laughs> yeah, Percy Weasley. Percy Played Weasley. by Domino Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie came out to an 87% on Rotten Potatoes. So solid. It's, it's solid. It's uh, lower than I expected, uh, but it's still much higher than the 78 that uh, that the other guys gave this. That's way too low. Is way too low. All right. Well, you can uh, let us know what you thought about the Green Mile uh, on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Rotten Potato Pod. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, Jake, do you have any final thoughts for us as we as we get out of here? Yeah. You know what.